Buckets and Dan Sportsland, episode 55, the 2023 NFL Playoff Preview. Also known as the Denny Hamel Special, Dan. Remember Denny Hamel night back in Binghamton, <laughs> yep. circa 2013. Remember he almost died coming back? What a night. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good memories there that... We had a lot of technical difficulties already. <laughs> okay. In and out and in and out. <laughs> Dan, the Rasmus Ristolainen and special, the Oaken Hess special, the Boogie Basham. May he have a good playoff special. And Dan was Cornelius Bennett on that team as a as a as a number fifty fiver for three years, eighty seven, eighty nine. Then he switched to number ninety seven. Do you think we get to the Cornelius Bennett special at some point in our careers? No. Yeah, I think, so. I think it's widened out. The equipment is currently breaking on us. Like we're we're, we're talking into these microphones that we're it's like we're holding three pieces together just so we can get out the last few words. I I think we might be calling it after twenty. I don't think we'll do a show in twenty twenty four. I I think we ca- we call it with the Bills Super Bowl recap. Soup Stanley Cup run would be pretty sweet. But Dan, we'll get, we'll um, that. yeah, we'll talk a little Sabers. But Dan, talking about sponsors today. Working on one right now, so we might have a sponsored segment uh, coming up because we have we have a, a little, nice little lineup of guests, Dan. Do we? Yes, we do. We have Clay Ferraro, a Dolphins beat reporter from Miami. We also have probably our one of our biggest guests, a huge, huge guest. No pun intended. No pun intended. And Dan, I mean, we're not a hundred percent locked in. We're supposed to interview him in about forty-five minutes. I think it'd be funnier if he never came on and we introduced. <laughs> but him like that. as of now, we're scheduled to have Frank the Tank Frank from the Tank. Barstool. Frank Fleming, diehard Dolphins fan, diehard Mets fan, diehard Devils fan, and Nets fan. Can't wait to ask him how he got into those four teams. Can't wait to ask him about the Dolphins and Bills playoff game. We have a lot of info on that. But, hey, let's talk about real-life stuff, Dan. Yep. Uh, you're moving. I, this might be – hey, this going to be the last show in this house? Uh, No. Okay. No. No. What, but you bought the house. We bought the house. Williamsville. He's Snyder. Moving, up and up. Yep, right near Damon College. I took off today to rip up some rugs. Turns out the one room just didn't have any hardwood floor underneath it, so we have to figure out what to do with there. Um, yeah, no, we're excited. We're it's a slow it's a slow burn, slow burn getting over there, but we are very excited about getting out of here and living in an actual house. Met the neighbor today. Nice family, four kids. Very excited for Halloween on the street. We haven't had Halloween visitors here right, in right. like five years. So. Yeah, me same with me living on a busy street. Dan, how's the basketball team doing? Dan had one of the most epic technicals of all time to the point where I got a text message from a good friend in fellow referee, not fellow referee, a, a referee in New York State, Steve Lukashevitz, yeah. just sent it to me today. Hey, said, text- have you seen this? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. I've showed half of Eden it. <laughs> I, I sent that to Steve today because he texted me about it. Yeah, and I, I had Corey Blumen come up to me before the varsity game and said, heard you really can call a timeout. And I want to know if, like, the referee circle is saying, like, that I'm at fault there. There's no way they're saying that, right? Well, I haven't seen it at with, with sound yet. You're going to have to send that to me. No, thanks. I'm sure you're screaming timeout, though. And, Dan, I'll say this. If anyone out there is looking for a good time, you know, maybe maybe the budget's a little bit tight after Christmas and you just want a good, entertaining couple hours with the family – you got to go watch Dan Han and the Ken Maurice JV Bulldogs. I mean, it is must-see. It is appointment television, and it is free. Yeah, don't do that. How is the defending section champ Eden Lady Red Raiders doing? You no, know, not scoring it like we like to, but uh, defending the heck out of the ball right now. 7-2, uh, and two, doing all right on a little four-game tear. And, uh, 
I was gonna. If you previewed those nine games, would you say you would probably lose those two and win those seven? I uh, I think I would have said we'd be about seven and two, but one of the losses we'd have would have won. Uh, maybe I think we'd be six and three. So we're doing we're doing a pretty good job right now. When's the next like, When's up. the next next like big time matchup? The big next big time matchup is the day after Martin Luther King Day. Bring in um, fellow coach Mike Licata Senior out on Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> To do a little practice and then <laughs> to get us ready for Sacred Heart on on Tuesday. They're coming out to Eden. They're coming out to Eden, and that should be a, a really good game. I, you know, we we lost our point guard to an MCL tear, um, so you know we're razor thin right now. But uh, do you have is a gym named after somebody? I, you know, I think one day it should be named after some people, not me. The buckets O'Hare. No, no, no. I, I would name well, it the, the Pierce po- Gymnasium. My point Gymnasium. is, let's just call it. I mean. It, I don't know what the line is, but you can. I'll bet the Eden Lady Red Raiders. You don't. You don't just walk into the cornfield and come out with a W. I'll tell you that. Hey, you're gonna walk out with a couple scars. Yeah, a couple scars and a couple ears of corn. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on the season. Uh, Bill, this is our first show of the new year. It's 2023. Gosh, where does if 2017 to now seems like the snap of a finger? Would you agree with that? Uh yeah. It life just punches it you in the face. By. It flies by. Any any goals for you, Dan, in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I'm not gonna get a technical in twenty twenty three, number one. That's a lie. Oh, and hey, for all you fans out there, I got my first technical a few weeks ago. Down in Cataraugus County in Frewsburg. They yeah. didn't like I just complained about a call recreationally and they just teed me up, ended the game right there. And we lost that game that I thought we'd won. Yeah, and don't get me started on how you reacted like such a little girl, how, how upset you were about it. It's the refs. All referees are horrible that give technicals for complaining about calls. All re- all JV referees in general are horrible. I hope that, you're listening. And, to that, and that's why you continue to get technicals because they listen to our show. Because they're incompetent. Dan, my goal in uh, 2023 is to break 90 times dwindling. Why? Yeah. Time is dwindling. Yeah. Um, if it don't happen now, I might as well pack it in and just try and <laughs> keep my focus in the high 90s. Um. Yeah, that's okay. Two good goals. Uh. All right. Let's do some quick hitters. Did you watch the national championship game on Monday? You know, bits and pieces, Dan. I was also that was a bad sports night. You bad know, sports. Sports night. have blessed us in many ways, and uh, Monday night was not one of them. The Sabers, you know, probably played their worst game of the season. We'll talk about them in a bit. Uh. But between that and a really, really poorly, uh, a poor performance from TCU. You know, a game that I thought was going to be closer. A game that I thought was going to land around that spread of 13, 14, 15 points. Uh, really disappointing, and I'm sure a lot of ESPN viewers just fell to the face of the earth in the second half. I think this is just a great indication of what a 12-team playoff is going to bring. It's going to weed out the – I mean, I, it's going to weed out a team like TCU getting all the way to the national championship. doesn't mean that they can't upset certain teams in the first few games of the tournament. I think that's exactly what – those types of tournaments are set out for. So that'll be exciting. I believe that starts not next year, but the year before. But I also could have made up that fact. I have no idea. Dan, quick hitter on the MLB. A lot of people like me to ask you about the New York Mets. Carlos Correa, the thing was very strange, wasn't it? Signed with the San Francisco Giants for 300 plus million. It's the New York Mets for 300 plus million. And now, what is it, a six year deal worth about 200 million with Minnesota where he was last year? Yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how doctors would not agree on a on a physical. I don't understand how you can sign these contracts with like why wouldn't they just do the physicals before you can even sign it? I don't understand how the process works. 
I think the Mets statement on it was pretty funny. It was like, yeah, we couldn't reach an agreement. Good luck. So, and it, it wasn't a money issue, so they must be very concerned about his long-term health. So the Mets are going to look either really stupid or really smart moving forward. Uh, but what it does, and he was a luxury. If you want to look at their offseason as a whole, it's it's like me if I ran a video game and you lose your, like you lose, it seems like someone just didn't want to be there in DeGrom, uh, but also he got paid and signed a, a long-term deal, which I don't think the Mets were too keen on. And then they go out and sign the probably the second best free agent pitcher on the market. You can argue he's the best in Justin Verlander. So they're just so old, so old. But I don't like if you win a World Series within the next couple of years and then you stink for like who cares? I'm all about like yeah, it's great. I would love to build just a dynasty. All right. Well, the Dodgers have had a dynasty for five in terms of like rosters for like five years and they've won and it was during a COVID year and people want to dismiss that. So. I don't know. I'm I'm uh, all about you, you gotta sell. like what the Dodgers have done. They've they've put together five, six fun seasons for their fans. Yeah, that what would you do you think they would yeah. trade that for one World Series or for another one? Yeah, well I guess they have it's one. Different. So yeah. I, I mean for you like I'd bring up the Rams argument. They're looking at like another five years of, of trouble. And I don't think they would would do it differently. Correct. I d I don't know about that. Um I don't know about that. That's a I would question. I mean, now McVay potentially leaving. Uh, that's a team without draft picks. That's a team without a lot of talent. You know, under twenty six, twenty seven. If I years said old. To this, if I said to you right now, I can guarantee you a Bills Super Bowl this year, but they're not going to make the playoffs for the next five. You know, I'm not taking that. Oh my! Because God, so dumb. I we've enjoyed the ride of these seasons. And I want it to come when I'm not exactly expecting it, Dan. I don't want to know we're going to win. Right. I think the fun get, is in the uh, winning. The fun is in the excitement. How about it. I guarantee you, and then I, I do the men in black thing and erase your memory so you don't know we had the conversation. You're still going to enjoy the ride for one year. I think enjoy, I, I don't. I think you're insane to say you wouldn't enjoy the ride for one year as much as you would like four straight. Like, Do you think that the – Bills fans of the early 90s, if you could just win the Giants game and not make the playoffs next year, you think they loved going and losing in the Super Bowl every single year? Yeah, I think and they would take that deal. The they, one they Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. the same situation. Yeah, I know, I know. I guess it's not like your point is they can go win three of the next five, the Bills. I just, I think I want the spontaneity of it. You know, whatever that word is. Right. I'm saying once we make the deal, then you can just go back to being I know, a fan like I know. normal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was a brutal segment. No, it was fine. Um, let's talk Sabres. Let's talk Sabres. We, so, we got a big message from Frank to take. What do you say? <laughs> About 8.30 or 9 should work. Jesus Christ. I said 8.30 would work. I'm not sticking up till <laughs> 9 for this guy. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I agree. I Because like, we'll finish around 8.30. I'm all in on – I love Frank, and I'm all in on having a guest that people would be actually be like, oh, let's listen to the show, but – I also love sleep and not staying up. So yeah, um, yeah, that's a funny, that's a funny uh, addition. Right yeah. now it's seven twenty-three. If you're wondering, yeah, it sucks. We got to do this for another. Well, I guess we probably will talk for another hour. Um, okay, Bill, the Sabers. We it's our inaugural season, ground floor season How, tickets. Season tickets. Yep. Excuse me. How are we feeling right now? I don't like. We we're happy. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I mean, big picture, thrilled. The next step. They haven't won a game in regulation and going on a little bit of time here, but really? those, those wins in overtime, Minnesota, Boston, uh, Washington, uh, I mean, those were electric, three electric wins. I mean, these last point, two Bill. hurt. 
The Philadelphia one hurts a I little bit more. I hate not getting a point. That team, let's let's call a spade a spade here. That team, after a Saturday win at Minnesota, got after it Saturday night. 100%, correct? They should. Who? The Sabres. Wait, what? Like they, Minnesota? They beat Minnesota Saturday night. Oh, it, yes. They got after it. Yeah, right? sure. <laughs> the Bills game at one. Get after it. They are a little hair of the dog, got after yeah. it, and then they all try to <laughs> kick the brakes <laughs> off at like 8 p.m., and they woke up a little tired, right? Yeah, but that doesn't excuse the Seattle game. But Seattle's a good team, really good de- team defensively. And Eric Comrie, I think that leads us to our next point where, you know, three goalies right now, I want to see a lot of UPL. I think Anderson is what he is. He's He's been serviceable. I think serviceable is a really good term for him. UPL is a guy with upside, and Comrie's a guy that I'm afraid is going to let three to four in a game and really put us in some spots where we're going to need that one more save. They they gave up 22 shots Tuesday night against the Seattle Kraken, and he saved 18 of them or 19 of them. I think it was 18 of them, and uh, that wasn't good enough. I didn't, to be fair, I didn't watch. We had a game. We didn't, I didn't watch most, but, I mean, four and eight with a three six seven goals against and an 883 save percentage does not seem like a goalie that's going to get you to the playoffs. I don't know if that goalie's on the roster either. I, I, And then that goes back to the point, do you want to rush the rebuild? I don't want to rush the rebuild, but you also have a team that is second in goals for in the entire National Hockey League and first in goals per game because they've played a couple less. So don't you want to take it? Like, how often does that happen? So they're – and actually they're 12th in goals against – that's weird – 12th in goals against. So it's not even like they're giving up a crazy amount. It just seems like they can't get that, You like you said, that one save that's going to be the difference in a win or loss. And they did get them for uh, that little stretch with UPL, and that was nice to watch. Uh, and that obviously makes a big difference. They're going to need that. For me, I mean, I'm, I've been saying it since the start of the year. My goal is playoffs. I don't think this is a team that, you know, we look back. I think people disagree with that and say, oh, man, they had a really promising good season. But I disagree with that the, just because the guys the, in the room, the, the the goal is playoffs. The goal is playoffs, and it makes so much of a difference as they make that next step, you know, for their franchise. Make the playoffs this year, you make a deeper run next year. Next year, and then it's just the playoffs. Playoffs. It should be the what pisses me off is this stupid playoff format. Eat it. Yeah, just go back to the one through eight. Like our division, as the best team in the NHL, and then sack. Then the second team, Toronto, has is tied for the second most points in the East. Tampa Bay has 51 points. Like, and then you have to worry about the wild card, which I think the wild card is so dumb in the NHL. Like, that's just such a dumb press. Like, and I think they're changing that and going back. I think I heard that in spin tickets. I could be wrong. But that just seems like a no-brainer. I don't think anybody likes the current format. Hate and it. especially now, you're going to go play everybody. Twice, so you're you're not getting those same. Like the reason you did this is to develop, build up back those division rivalries or whatever you wanted. You're not getting that anymore anyway. Couldn't even really tell we you. We play the Ma- the Toronto Maple Leafs three times, three times, times, once at home. Yeah, like that's your big rival. Like, and again, I don't bet they don't look at us as a rival, but we still consider them a big rival. Like that's dumb. Yep, I agree. Um, I think my next goal is to be in it at the be buyers at the trade deadline. Okay, this deadline. Correct. Correct. That would be fun. What are you buying? You need I th- I have two things I want and I was scolded by my friends that actually know hockey. I want a guy like a veteran grinder like I know this sounds stupid. Okay, remember the last time we were in the playoffs? 
Remember who our best forward was? Jamie McGinn. No. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Coletta. No. Well, no. Mayor. Rob Niedermeyer. Remember, he was horrible during yeah. the – like, you need a guy that's been there before. So I wouldn't mind a bottom six. Like a Jamie McGinn. Grinder. No. I don't want – He was a grinder. You're thinking of – oh, yeah. I'm thinking of Jamie McBain. Remember he, him? He, was, he stunk. McGinn was just a yeah, little flash I, in the pan on that yeah, team. Yeah, he, he was a throw-in in the O'Reilly trade. He was sick. No, he wasn't. Not in the O'Reilly trade. Jamie McGinn came over in the O'Reilly trade. No, he didn't. Look it up. I you're, want you to look it up on air. You're going to delete this segment. Go ahead. Look Guarantee. it up. Look it up. Jamie McGinn. I'll tell you when he was traded. Okay. This is dead air. Anyway, they uh, also need a right-handed defenseman. They need a top, even a bottom. So they need another right-hand defenseman. And, like, I don't want to go a big splash either, but some maybe like an analytics-driven guy or whatever, but they need something to solidify. Because your top three are great in power, Darlene, and oh, I was thinking the Blues O'Reilly trade. We he oh, was okay. he yeah, came I over in the yes, Avalanche to get him. Trade. Yes. Okay, so we were both for, right for Zadorov, Grigorenko, and Comfer. So we were both right. Yeah, trade. I mean, Comfer has been solid. He's Gr- a free agent this year. Grigorenko still hanging around. No, he's not. <laughs> he's in the K. <laughs> um, what do you? What if you could get one thing at the deadline? What do you want? Do you want to trade for a goalie? Um, <clears throat> no, no. Yeah. You got to look inward here. Um, but my point is, like, if you play the Bruins in the first in any time in the playoffs, don't you think they're going to absolutely harass that kid line we have? Don't you need somebody on your team to answer that bell a little bit? Are you relying on Gergensen? Dude, how about the tweet that Joe DiBiase put out that Gergensen was dr- drafted by Regeer and is still in his 20s? How is that possible that Gergensen isn't 30 yet? He's been on the team for 15 years, it seems like. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> Because he's probably started playing as like a eighteen year old or whatever. WGR had like an awful, awful segment when I was driving <laughs> to work the other morning. Where they NHL put up like a phony tweet and they like all bought it and did trivia with Howard and it was like, who is the longest tenured player by their team in the league? Gergensen's is second, and <laughs> and who's first? That was the trivia, and Howard's like, I think it's Ovechkin. They're like, yes. Gergensen's is the second longest tenured player by his team in the league, and and they kept saying like, I don't think that's right. I don't <laughs> think that's right. We're gonna, it's right. It's right. It's right. And it's not even close to being what right. What was the wait? Who tweeted like a fake ESPN account? No, the NHL account put that on. Like, is it a joke? No, like by mistake. That oh. Gergensen's was. Well, it's second. not their fault then. I know. I know. I know. I know. You're fuck. You right? Uh, okay. Um. All right. So do you want to move on? From any? Okay. Real quick. Is Tage Thompson, is this going to be the greatest deal ever signed in Buffalo sports? In yeah, terms going of back to GR, I love Jeremy White's take of, you know, whatever contract the guy signs, that's kind of what they end up being. It's kind of what they end up being. This one is looking to be completely different. This guy's going to be a star for the next what six did, years. What does that mean? We signed him for, what are we paying him? No, no but what do you mean? So, it, like, people love Thompson because of that, because it's so cheap? No, Jeremy White, his take is, you sign a guy to a long-term contract, they kind of end up being what that contract says they are. Vili Leno, what was his point on that? Yeah, he, like, because guys are calling in saying, like, the Samuelson deal, that's going to be a bargain. And he's like, it's probably going to be, like, what he's worth. Like, they kind of figured out his worth, and that's what he's going to be. Same thing with Thompson. He's, like, a they're maybe trying to buy low, but he's probably going to be, like, that type of player. 
a seven million dollar a year type of player. And I guess oh, okay. So I think his point is if you're re-signing your own player, like a young guy, because that's a that's one of the dumbest takes I've ever heard. With I'll, I'll, I'm going to clip this one and send it to him then. That doesn't make any sense if you're talking about free agents. There's constant free agent busts all the time. Yeah, probably talking about his own. Okay. All right. Um, okay. I mean, we've exhausted it. That's a poor Saber segment. It's fine. But it's fine. We have to talk about this Sunday. That's the day. Dan and I have never been to a Bills game before. Why don't we rephrase that? <laughs> playoff game. <laughs> yeah, we've never been to a playoff game. We sold the obviously we so the first time they made the first couple times they made the playoffs in the past in the McDermott era they were on the road and they had a home playoff game during COVID. Which Got COVID. We didn't get. We did not get the. Uh, that was when there was limited seating, so we didn't win the lottery for the Colts game. We won the lottery for the Ravens game. Bill got COVID. I was all set to take my wife. She got COVID, and I didn't want to leave her home alone. So I was a super spreader. That's the real deal. Yeah. (laughs) So she. So I stayed home and watched that. And then the uh, last. Oh no, that was last year. And then this year we are going to our first game. So the only reason I kept my season tickets, which is interesting, very quickly, interesting point that one of the guys that they brought up from Kansas City on the Sal Capaccio show today brought up, like. I buy season tickets to sell regular season and go to the playoffs. They're talking about making the the championship game a neutral site for everybody moving forward. That's so that's a real thing and that would be so dumb. I have no idea why they would do that. And do you know who one of the first which is ironic because we're in this fight with Kansas City about the neutral site, one of the first people to complain about that was Lamar Hunt when Buffalo went back to back to back Super Bowls and they said they well they have an unfair advantage. This is stupid that you go to a neutral site. So it's kind of funny how it all came back full circle. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Going back to Cass, rumors I gave it to her. <laughs> okay. COVID. Yeah. I'm. I. Okay. I'm going to ignore that. And actually, before we get to our playoff preview, we have a quick buckets and Dan Q and A. Here we go. All right, buckets Q and A could be the last one of the year, depending on how the game goes for the Bills and if we have time moving forward. But Let's start with a hot-button topic that got Neighbors Pub going at the Corey Martin diaper party, and it's brought to us by our friend Pat from Tonawanda. Yeah, that sound level was, was off the charts. It was in the red. Yeah. <laughs> it was loud. Couldn't even hear yourself talk. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was about – it was as loud as the Bills stadium was when Naeem Hans, <laughs> Hines ran that first one in, let me tell you. Dan, uh – that's a good one from Pat Cahill. You know, it, it, it makes you think, you know, if you want to think on a Friday morning, maybe a little foggy from a Thursday night, you know, you're, you're trying to just try to get some cohesive thoughts together um, on this beautiful Friday morning. Dan, who says no to this trade? Chicago Bears and the Baltimore Ravens. Straight up, Justin Fields for Lamar Jackson. So, Pat from Tonawanda. Everybody has a knee-jerk reaction to this, as I did when I first heard it. I was like, absolutely not. You would never do it. Everybody has a reaction of, oh, if I'm this team, I would never do that. Let's talk about facts. The Baltimore Ravens do not want to give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed contract. They maybe don't have the money for it. They just signed a linebacker to a $100 million deal. He has a name, Roquan Smith. Correct. Who The amount of love this guy has gotten for six games with Baltimore is Astounding, but that's a topic for another time. So, Baltimore's offense is geared around a running quarterback. Justin Fields 
is a running quarterback. So you're just going to get a younger version. Now, is he a future MVP? I don't know, but I know he's a much cheaper version than Lamar Jackson. Is Lamar Jackson a future MVP? I don't know, but he's a past MVP. This is another argument right. we had <laughs> that people were like, how is Lamar Jackson an MVP quarterback? Because he won an MVP. <laughs> That's why. I couldn't believe that argument. If you're the Bears, now people say, well, hold on, let me for Baltimore. So you're getting a younger version. You could spend money elsewhere. You can actually, I don't know, maybe supply a young quarterback with weapons for the first time because you didn't do that with Lamar Jackson. So it's kind of like a reset button, and you hold firm that you're an organization that's not going to give guaranteed money to a quarterback, okay? Let Lamar Jackson go to Chicago. If you're Chicago, do you give him guaranteed money? I don't know if you do. I think you probably have to if you're trading for him. Otherwise, give him an, an insane amount of money because you have a lot of cap room. Well, the argument with Chicago is you're in no position to win right now at all. That's fine. However, you also have the number one draft pick in the NFL, which is a quarterback-driven league, and someone's going to want to trade up for Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. So use that to your advantage. Trade back down with Tex the Texans and go get the 12th pick as well. So now you're drafting 2-12. and 12. Then trade down with another team that wants a second quarterback in the draft. They could win the absolute lottery here, an absolute jackpot if they play this correctly. Then you spend a bunch of money elsewhere bolstering the O-line, grabbing some defensive playmakers. Okay, So is it a foolproof plan for Chicago? No. Is it a rushing a rebuild? Probably, but I don't know. I think that's a, a fun way to look at it. So if you look at it that way, I'm going to say probably neither team realistically would do this because it's too much of a risk for both teams. But I think if you lay out both scenarios, it's certainly not a no-brainer no for either of them. Yeah, I, th I think you laid out some really terrific points. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, he's on ESPN, laid out another good argument of why the Bears should trade fields, okay, trade fields for maybe a first and a third. You know, get yourself the first overall pick. You take Bryce Young. You get another first-round pick. You get another third-round pick, and then you're able to really hit the reset clock like that. You That's, know, I don't agree with that. I don't like but, that plan because I don't. I don't think. I, I think Justin Fields is a bright future. But if you if you think Bryce Young's going to be better than Lamar, then I think Bryce Young's too small to be. I right. think there's there's only been one successful, like, I don't know if it was Super Bowl winning or whatever, non-running quarterback under six one. And it was Drew Brees. I think that he that kid is just too small, Bryce Young. And he's listed at six foot. He's definitely not six foot. So he's definitely smaller than that. Where so that dude from uh oh yeah, okay. So there he's also projected in the top tenors. You would you definitely take Bryce Young over CJ Stroud? We know nothing about college football. <laughs> you asked me that. Yeah. I, I was gonna pretend to lie to you. Yeah. So I've we seen know I've seen about sixty com combined pass attempts from Correct, both. Yeah. I'll say this. It, it's up to, I mean, for Baltimore, is, are you going to pay? I'm just saying obvious things, but if you're not going to pay Lamar Jackson, then What's it's, your a plan? Slam dunk, yes. it's a slam dunk trade. Yes, that's my, okay, that's another great it's, point. Because you're going to let him walk. You, exactly. You're not going to go with Tyler Huntley. Right. So, and for Chicago, I think the reason you say no is you're not ready yet. And but uh, that pushes the clock forward rather than I backward. guess, but if you bolster the offensive line how much different is the off like the weapons 
in Chicago than it is in. It's not that different. You know, Baltimore has never really had receivers. And the difference would be, well, Baltimore can do that because they're carried by their defense, the top five defense, what Zach Boys was saying. Top five defense in Chicago is literally the last defense, and that's and, fine. And you know Ryan Poles. He's a former what? No idea. Former offensive lineman. Is he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I a didn't Long know time that. offensive lineman. Early All right. 2000s. All right, yeah. And I think Kansas City he, he had a stint in. Okay. But he's the GM of the uh, – of the Chicago Bears. Do you think he I, was on my favorite offensive line? Yeah, of all time? Uh, we're going to find out. Next <laughs> question. I'll figure that one out. <laughs> all right. My next question is a follow-up to you. This is from me to you. Nobody sent this in. You look at the top 10 picks. You you know Chica Well, you'd think Chicago's going to trade down. You have Houston at two. Ari you have Arizona at three. They're, they're locked into Murray. You have Indianapolis at four. You have Seattle at five. You have the uh, Detroit Lions at six. We'll get to Detroit later. You have the Vegas Raiders at seven, the Atlanta Falcons at eight, Carolina nine. Which one of those teams would you, if you were one of those teams, would you sell the farm for the number one pick? Dan, let's let's do a little rewind. I was wrong. I thought Ryan Poles was like a long time, really good <laughs> lineman. In the I was going to say I don't think that's true. He was on the Bears in 2008 as a practice squad <laughs> guy. But was with the Chiefs as an executive from 2009 okay. until <laughs> last year. Fun fact. From Canandaigua, New York. <laughs> that Canadagua, is Canandaigua, New York, not far. <laughs> I've had a former couple friends from Canandaigua. Remember that one? Oh, I'll tell you that one off air. <laughs> um, C-Mac, great, great place. C-Mac, Canandaigua Amphitheater. Oh, okay. um, but, Dan, getting back to your spot about the top ten, you know, I know this isn't going to answer your question directly. Perfect. But <laughs> like, it, like it usually doesn't. But I'll say this. Finally, I think we're going to have a fun NFL draft, you okay. know, that we haven't in a couple of years with these quarterbacks. You know, teams really kind of kind of risking like, it. Well, it's, it's Well, they 2 years ago yeah, they did, but that but it's similar to that when uh Philadelphia I think had the number or no, no. How did the uh, the Rams end up getting Goff? Who traded? Somebody traded out. Remember Goff and Wentz went back to back? Yeah. I think I think St. Louis at the time had number 1. Right. No, no, they had to trade up. Philly traded up. Oh, okay. Philly so traded one. Okay. All right. There goes that. Um, so, so getting back to your question, <laughs> what, what was it? <laughs> what? All right, I'm going to list the teams again. You tell me, if you were that team, would you sell the – actually, we'll just go We'll just go team by team. If you're Houston, would you give up the 12th pick to move up one slot to draft your quarterback that you want? Yes. Two, okay. If you're Arizona, would you do anything with Kyler Murray? You're locked in there. I would. I'm not a <laughs> Kyler Murray guy. Me I would. Either. I would tr release him right now if I could for nothing. If you can get out of that contract right now, would you release Kyler Murray? <laughs> That's a great. A hundred percent, yes. <laughs> I don't. You're releasing I don't. Russell. Like these these contracts go bad more than they go good for a lot of. Like if you're Denver, if you release Russell Wilson right now, you automatically have become the most attractive. Head coaching job in America right now, right? More attractive than any of these other gigs. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a, I'd have to think. Okay, you'd have to listen to some podcasts. And, yeah, you know, and yeah. then steal their thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> just regurgitate. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, Indianapolis, would you trade the fourth overall pick in next year's first in an additional draft pick to go from four to one? Um, if I'm Indy. That organization stinks. Yeah, they're they're in a tough spot right now. I don't know. I don't know about that one. Okay. I I want to talk about Detroit. We're gonna get there. Okay. Okay. Because that if you just listen, they are up, they're <laughs> in the top ten. 
How about Seattle, who has Denver's fifth overall pick? Man, them and Detroit are the interesting ones. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. And Detroit six. Are you are you saying you're going to give up five and next year's one to go to one? I think you'd have to give up more than. That. Oh, I'm not doing that. No, okay. not even close. No. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm riding with Geno, and I'm taking a. You're going to resign. He's a free agent. You're going to resign Geno Smith. Yeah, I'm going to resign. To G- what deal? Not a ton of money. What if he wants a ton of money? Say see you later. He's not going to get less. a ton of money. He's not going to get a ton of money. <laughs> okay. I, he just took a team to the playoffs. Yeah, great. I mean, they faltered, Dan. They faltered. I heard the Jets want him. He's going to get. Fi- I made that up. Fifteen. 15, 20 million a year, I'm thinking, right? I'm totally off the top of my head, but that's what I'm thinking. I bet you it's in that landscape. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You think you would pay that? For a short-term deal, two to three years, yes. And I think you're drafting a guy, and this is a thing I'm doing if I'm Detroit or if I'm Seattle, I'm drafting a guy in the second and third round, developmental guy. Those work Not a lot out of pressure. all the time. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> I, I'm taking that Giants approach. Dude, how about the Titans taking that third-round pick and literally just setting it on fire, drafting Malik Willis? Well, he's shown he's not the guy. You're taking, a, you're literally rolling the dice every time you're taking a guy who falls in the draft, for that matter, to that spot. Okay, what about Atlanta? Would you, tra- if you're the eighth overall pick, would you? You have Desmond Ritter. Oh no, no, I'm not trading up. Wow, I think you're insane. Well, I guess it depends on which they like. Bryce and Young. Do you love? I mean, listen, this isn't Trevor Lawrence coming out. That's true. You know, yeah, I guess none of these guys. But to they're me, consensus number ones, which hasn't, which wasn't anything last I, year. Is, is Bryce Young consensus number one? I believe. Well, I, I <laughs> mean, my my point is, I think it's like a golf Wentz thing where it's a consensus. You want a quarterback up there, and sure. I know I haven't seen one mock where Stroud is ahead of him. I'm just waiting on Anthony Richardson to light it up at the combine pro days and then see his spot rise up too, because that guy can sling it as well. Yeah, don't it's and it sucks that he had to uh, get rid of his nickname because of school shootings. His was it was AR-15. Ah. Well, it is what it is. Um, yeah, so then nobody else, you wouldn't, I guess you're, so you're only, but that's my point. So now, if you're Houston. If you, I'm Houston, I'm not doing it. Okay, I'm sorry, so, let, me, let me retract my statement. So if you're Houston, okay. So, if, yeah, so if you're Houston, you're playing chicken with Chicago then because you don't think anybody else is going to trade up. Yeah. I, I think you're nuts if you think Indianapolis doesn't want to trade up. Unless, do you think Indianapolis is going to go, like, uh, here's my question. Andy might be the squad. Let me, let me ask you this. If you're Indy, there's no way you can tell your fan base, like, I'm going to go get Derek Carr, right? Like, you're done with the retread veteran quarterback. <laughs> I don't think you can sell it anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> they tried. <laughs> All right, so they tried. They, they were literally 0 for 3. They went River. Actually, Rivers was fine. Rivers, Wentz, Ryan, in back-to-back-to-back seasons, just draft a young guy. Yeah, like that guy outside Vaveline, instant oil change with the sign, like, we're open right now. Yep. Buddy, buddy, I can get my oil change down the street somewhere <laughs> else a little bit cheaper, and yeah. they're open too. Okay, yes, yeah, that's so. a great point. Is it? Because I don't think many people got that reference, but um, <laughs> good. So we spent 12 minutes on our first question. That was great. Next question, I believe, is you to me. It's about it. No. Uh, no. So actually, yeah, this is – no, no, I'll ask you this. Um, this is from Sa- – uh, excuse me, Sammy, not Sally, Sammy from Salamanca. Who is your NFL coach of the year? Here are the betting odds favorites right now. Kyle Shanahan is the favorite at plus 150, which I find remarkable. It's terrible. Brian Dable at plus 250. Nick Sirianni at plus 250. And then McDermott and Doug Peterson at plus 1,200. Okay, let's let's go back. Let's. How about thinking about giving John Lynch 
maybe general manager of the year. Correct. He's the guy who brought in Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Who, when he was traded, I was the guy on air on Buckets and Dan episode 54 to say they will go to the Super Bowl. Everyone thought I was crazy, all three listeners. And he built that roster that can perform with a third-string yes, quarterback. and he drafted Brock Purdy. And, yes, Kyle Shanahan's done a really nice job. I mean, he's probably the only coach in the NFL, I think, right now who could get what he's getting out of Brock Purdy. That's the ideal situation for Brock Purdy. Another great question that I might ask you later is what, so you can start thinking about it now, is what they're going to do next year. It's a big loaded question. But that is a loaded question. Dan, I don't understand. I don't know what the odds say. Okay, not a betting man, but um, I don't see how it's not Sean McDermott this year. You just like think about it from a human perspective and every single thing that this team has gone through. Snowstorm and snowstorm, moving we'll locations. DeMar Hamlin, who I'm sure will get brought up at many times throughout this this yeah. podcast, for for us to lose three games this year and just how he studied the ship, I really, I mean, how is it not him? Well, and I'm not even being biased. Well, it's insane because the year he went nine and seven ended a 17 year playoff drought for a team that everybody picked to have a top five pick in the next year's draft. I don't understand how he lost that one. Okay. I don't understand how he lost when we went 13-3 and three during the COVID year. It went to friggin' Kevin Stefanski, which is a joke. So he's gotten screwed in years past. So this would be one that I would love if people actually just sat and thought for a second what the job he's done is absolutely incredible. What I was told and what I heard before the season is like, don't ever even think McDermott's a reasonable bet to win Coach of the Year because the guys who win Coach of the Year are your first and second-year coaches. But that's who, my point. Okay, or Andy Reid when he went 15-1. That's my point. So he's, he's he never going to win it? But he already but he got screwed that one year. Sure, yeah. And then they they passed they passed expectations that COVID year when Josh Allen took that huge leap, and they were obviously one of the best teams in the NFL. I just think it's it's ridiculous that he hasn't won already, and I agree. He's going to get screwed this year, and I do agree that it should be him. And again, I am completely Bill from Buffalo here completely non-biased when I say this. I mean, and I mean completely non-biased. Brian Dable's got to be the guy if, if McDermott doesn't Correct. win. <laughs> That's true. He took a team that was supposed to be t- bottom five, and he's in the playoffs. I know. Yeah, I mean, Nick Sirianni, like, like, I, like Philadelphia was... And he's done a heck of a job. Yeah, but they were supposed to be a division contender. Doug Peterson, I think it's crazy that people aren't talking more about him. They won one game last year. One game. And he took them to a division... It's a hot race this year. There's a lot of lot of good opportunities for that. Um, I got a quick one for you. This is I'm sorry, I don't have one. Rick from Cheek to Wagga sent this in. Was it by mail? It was by email. Okay. And he is a big Broncos fan. Grew up in Colorado. You know Rick's story. And I know Rick's story because he loves the postal service. He's the guy with the stamps. Yes. He's always sending with those weird stamps from Colorado. Yes. We just said he emailed it, but yes. I know, but. When in he the was past. in Colorado, I know. Yes. And now they said Cheek the Waga. He's it's getting lazy. He's emailing. <laughs> there ain't no Cheek the Vegas stamps. So what is the plan if you're the Broncos? Like, how could you possibly bring Russell Wilson back? Oh, you got to bring him back. He's your guy. But I'm, but I'm, I'm saying. I'm serious. I mean, yeah, you are. <laughs> you're riding with that guy. What is your, how do you, how, how? Because I. What coach are you going to come in? So here's the question. Okay. Let's be realistic. You're not going to, like, Sean Payne's not going to be like, I'm going to latch my wagon to that horse, okay? So you need someone to come in and, quote, unquote, fix Russell Wilson. However. Or was it, was he broken? Was he ever broken? Did Nate Hackett, was he the bad guy there? Maybe. And maybe. I guess you could try I, to spin I, it like that. But, like, I'll dude, he's so doing. weird. And now, like, so the, weird. and now that he's not, you know, 
winning divisions. Like it's very clear. Like old teammates, are like yeah, he was always like that. He's like a friggin' weirdo. So then, like now, like I saw a report that was like a guy you bring in is like um like a culture like guy, like a Dan Quinn, which I cannot believe Dan Quinn is back up for head coaching job, but he did solidify Atlanta before he melted down at the end, and he's solidified. He's done a good job. He's done a good job. I hate how he wears a backward hat as a grown adult. I don't really like that. Like when he's coaching, that's weird. But um, do you bring in a guy like that? What? So would you say you? So you're not going to get an established guy to come in. But well, here's my question: no, so Would you I, hire I an established defensive guy? Yeah. Or do you want to? Okay. Who would you bring in? Yeah, I know exactly what I'm doing. Okay. I'm bringing in a guy like Leslie Frazier. I think. Actually, I, think I think is a great. And then Leslie Frazier is smart enough to, to bring hire in Joe Brady. a young. Yeah, exactly. A young offensive mind who can scheme it right, right? Wow, I think th- I think we just solved the Broncos. And you sound like Big Cat when you said that. Um, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only way because I think you're looking at Tier 2 to Tier 3 guys of offensive yep. minds at this Correct. point. And I think even if Wilson doesn't go right. What a Harbaugh. No, I think that's a huge risk. I, that's tire fire written all over. I think if it doesn't go right, I think – yeah, he's been that, terrible that in the team, NFL, right? And a, another thing is that um, Frazier has proven to, you know, I think he's humble enough to hire the right guys offensively, not want all the credit, and I think they'll have, obviously, they'll maintain a strong defense with him. And that's what kept them in games. That They, they were in a lot of games this year, right? So yeah. they scored 20-plus points in a lot of games. They're a potential playoff team. So you can't. I was going to go one step further and say I think Wilson should be involved in the coaching hiring. Oh, my God. I'm kidding. But I think, like, Frazier, a guy like that. You I know? think that's a good point. And you know I don't really give you credit ever. I think that is a good point. I have a quick – okay, I have a quick – because I have a question based on this, but I have a quick question before we get there. Now that Cliff Kingsbury got fired, what organization do you think – like, if you were a fan, would what do you who would who do you think feels – the worst about their head coach at the, this exact moment. Now that the now that the interim guys are gone, and you can just take a second and think, is I have one that it is befuddling. Is to Saturday me. still there? No, it's insane to me that this buffoon is going to be is going to be the head coach of this team again next year. Well, I can tell you he's not in the AFC East. Yep. Oh no, yes, not in the AFC East. He's not in the he's not in the AFC. He is in the AFC, not the East. Okay. Um. I think you're thinking who I'm thinking. You're thinking Vegas. Yes, dude, he sucks as I, a head coach. I'll tell you why. That he's not he's not going anywhere. I know. I, that's what that's what the question is. That's why I think we're on the same page here. Is if you're Vegas, is your one solution bringing in Tom Brady as your quarterback? Yeah, that or a guy like Derek Carr. You're kidding, right? Yeah, Brady, or you draft a guy and you got to build it through him. Why? What? Why? Why? You let this guy mold a quarterback. Why? Why is he not? Why is he, why are they not firing him? Let's make sure we're on the same page. They're not firing him because they don't want to pay. They're, they don't want to pay another. They're, co- ca- they're cash poor. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So they have to stick <laughs> with this guy. So if they're not going to trade him. Yeah, throw your eggs in the basket, dude. I think Brady and where do you think Brady goes? That's that's the next question. From Jake in Lancaster. I think that's a hell of a question. Thank. That's <laughs> you, Jake. <laughs> Jake, shout out you. Uh, I. You know, I don't think he's staying in Tampa. I think there's a 50% chance he retires. No th- shot he retires. Zero shot. Really? I guess it depends on the playoff goes. 
Just because he divorced the wife, yeah, now he's what, like a free bird, correct. right? Correct. What else is he going to do? Correct. Sees his kids on hopefully the weekdays, not the weekends. Yeah, right? in the summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got weekdays in the summer. Yeah. Um, where would he go? I think Vegas is exciting. Okay. Yeah, with this OC. Okay. Now, yeah. or, okay, that, or if you're Brady, do you, do you go up to Kyle Shanahan and say, I want one year with you and we're going to win the Super Bowl? That's his go hometown. Ba- go back home. I I think it's one of those two. <laughs> okay. Or, back to Candlestick. Or does he go back with to New England? <laughs> I think it's one of those three. <laughs> and there's always that chance in Miami. It's not far. Yep. You know, two of his health <laughs> situations. <laughs> you know, my me with my health situations. I, I think that I think it's one of those four. Okay, perfect. I think I would like to see him in the AFC East again. You're are you out of your mind? Is he gonna strike a lot of fear into you next year? As a 46-year-old, he's 45. Or he is he 44? Venus is a 44-year-old. It's not like he's... I know, I know. I, I would like to see it for entertainment purposes. I want to see I, one. I, I got a question for you. Last one. Last one, quick. Have you seen the schedule for next year? Yes. It's hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. Another hard schedule, yes. Yeah. What? Any road games? I'd have to look again. We'll save that for the next yeah. show. All right. All right. That'll do it. Let's actually. So we are deep in this episode already. Oh, we got one more question. Oh. I forgot because oh, I yeah. brought this. I brought yeah. this. This is, this was hand given to me, okay, by Dominic from Geneva. Okay, Dominic from Geneva. Thanks, Domo. Dominic brought this to our residence. He is a huge hockey fan, and Dominic, we really appreciate you and and the way you've listened to our show for quite some time. Uh, Dan and and I thought you were my biggest fan of this, but. Dominic really appreciated the goal, the goal songs. Yeah, everybody did. And uh, he, he was wondering if we could do it again. Yeah, let's do two more. Let's start with Hannon scoring on – how about Hannon scoring short – you want a shorthand or power play? Uh, I'll think about it, and I'll, and I'll give you something, Dominic. Okay, here we go. McKee's going to block that puck. He's going to send it up to Gratton. Gratton to Verada. Verada, he's got a two-on-one over to Hannon Scott! That was pretty good. But, Bill, the people want to know, you know, we're talking high on the Sabres now. That was obviously from the late 90s teams. Can we get a drought-era O'Hare goal call? Let's send it to O'Hare right now. Limbach will steady that one in front. He swings it over to his steady right-hand defenseman, Josh Georges. Georges finds a lane. Brian Flynn skating out in front over to O'Hare. Score! And we wonder why those teams sucked. That goal song was horrible. But... (laughs) Good call from O'Hare. Our last one before we send it over to our Bills playoff preview is, and that we can now confirm. Yeah, we can. We just did it. We can confirm that Frank the Tank is coming on 
Our special shout-out to Frank, his goal for probably like the 2,000 Devils on the power play. 142 left in the power play. It's Niedemeyer over to Stevens. There's Steady Eddie on the power play. They find Elias in the corner. He swings it over to McGilney. Frank Fleming in front. Dolphins come to town, their fifth all-time meeting. The Buffalo Bills took the first three. Miami took the most recent one back in 1999, a game that Doug Flutie almost came back to beat Dan Marino, and now we have this game. Unfortunately, it's not Tua versus Josh Allen. It'll be Skylar Thompson coming into Orchard Park to face Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. And, Dan, another thing is in our years of having season tickets, this is our first ever playoff game that we attended on our own and together so it's going to be an interesting and a fun day a day we won't forget you know especially and again I know this is a whole segment but Dan I'm already looking forward to, to Cincinnati well I'm on, I'm on to Cincinnati I, I, I'm I, on to Cincinnati I am not doing that yet and crazy things can happen but it just seems like a lot of things are certainly favoring the Buffalo Bills. But before we get there, let's just talk, you know, if we want to talk about, like you said you're on a Cincinnati, let's talk about the playoff picture as a whole. Season comes to an end. You take out the obvious horrible thing with DeMar Hamlin, who seems to be doing fine now. And it's great. Which I'll is give great. a little plug. He, you know, I ran a little flag football clinic with him um, in September. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. Was super, super genuine with the kids and, you know, obviously really happy for everything that's happening. Obviously sad last Monday, but happy with how things are going right now. I mean, if he comes out and leads the charge, play's going to erupt. <laughs> that will be the Cincinnati game. He should walk right up to T. Higgins and be oh, like, yeah, yeah. you did this. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's a joke. Um, no, yeah. no, no, Lois. So let's talk quickly about our three biggest worries and our three biggest points of confidence as the Bills look for their su first Super Bowl in team history, okay, All and right. let's talk. So it's funny. Last year's note I had, <laughs> it was like the same exact thing. Like not necessarily <laughs> the ball. Yeah, not necessarily firing all cylinders, but should be confident coming in. That's how I feel about this team. I have an inside source that was at a party this past weekend with Ken Dorsey's good friend. That's where we're at, <laughs> and he said that Dorsey's been keeping it vanilla and to be ready for a lot of Beasley, a lot of motion. Like the offense we've been waiting for, that will come out. Would you want to practice that in games? I would <laughs> think so too, yes. Like do, do teams really know that much at I, the end of the day? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know that. But my biggest one of – all right, let's go. I'm going to go – it sucks that my phone died or my computer died. But my biggest worry is the secondary. 
the secondary. You have a rookie corner that still can't play the ball. We saw that in the Devontae Parker touchdown. You have Dane Jackson, who has had a very up-and-down year. And you have Trey White, who's gaining more confidence, but certainly does not look like the All-Pro. Not to mention the fact that Micah Hyde, your All-Pro safety, is just great news that he started practicing again from his neck injury that might have been thought to be career-ending. So hopefully the good news keeps rolling with that. We can see him maybe next week. Jordan Poyer's playing through a bunch of injuries. And now you can talk about what you want as DeMar Hamlin. You can talk about... Excuse me. You can say what you want about Demar Hamlin as the player. He's had an up and down year, in my opinion, as well. But now you're down to your third safety, which is Jaquan Johnson or, or Dean Marlowe. Or Dean Marlowe, right? And that's a problem. Maybe it's not a problem this week, but it certainly is going to be a problem versus Cincinnati. So yeah. that's that's my that's my biggest worry right now. Dean Marlowe is the cook. He's not even the chef. Who was the chef? George Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> he's the cook. <laughs> And he's not getting it all done. Uh, yeah, Dean Marlowe played his first real snaps as a bill this past week in a, in a run-heavy scheme. So, yeah, Dan, my, my number one concern outside of that would certainly be their lack of a number two receiver. You know, and, and Dan, you're right. In September and October when we argued this, Gabe Davis, his you know, if you look at his numbers, you know, for the entire season, you're going to say, okay, he did a fine job. But I think, you know, if you take a, a deeper look at it, um, the drop passes, the inability to create separation. I think that number one on the Bills list this year, this offseason, is going to be to find and know for sure that you have a second receiver. Is that going to be Jamison Crowder? You know, that story is yet to be told. Same with, you know, uh, Wes Welker 2.0 and Cole Beasley and John Brown. You know, I mean, again, we're grasping. We were grasping at the end of the season to try and find that alternate weapon Dan, for me, is it going to be playoff? Is it going to be playoff Gabe Davis? That's the question that I have. So I don't. I'm sure you saw this, but Joe Marino put out a tweet about Gabe Davis. He was targeted 93 times this season. How many catches? 60. 43. So 51 percent. Excuse me. 93 catchable balls. Okay. Only caught 48 of them. 835 yards, seven touchdowns, six interceptions when throwing to Gabe Davis. That's that's the high number, Correct. right? Isn't that the number that scares An you? An eighty point seven passer rating, which is well below what Allen. The number is. that the number that killed or the the play that killed me in the New England game was the, the pass that went through. I think he was past the line of scrimmage anyway. No, the Allen. Oh, okay. But, but yes, right through. Agreed. It doesn't matter. I mean, he has no confidence coming into the playoffs. That's a big problem. And he's or been, he's a playoff guy. And but he's been big in the playoffs now. It's funny that people say that because I don't think, and this is was said for the record on Joe's podcast, but I don't think we win the Colts game without him. And that's another thing. How about those toe touches that Gabe Davis had in that game? He leaped out of bounds. He pulled a Robert Royal and leaped out of bounds with his second foot this past week. Yeah. That was unbelievable lack of awareness. Yeah. And then for Chicago, he did the same thing. He couldn't drag his toe, and he was pointing at the ground when he was a foot out of bounds. That's a bad thing. 12.7 drop rate. That's an insane number. And just a 34% contested catch rate. So it's him in, versus D, in a DB, 8 out of 23. That is bad. That is bad. Yeah. That is a worry. Yeah, to me, Dan, in this offense is like pull and Oh, up. there you go. Like that, yep. A bit of a pull and pray method, right? You know, with Allen. You know, he's going to pull the ball down and, and just pray that we can run it, you know, and run it. And how effective is that? A lot of the time it is, you know, but a lot of the time, sometimes it isn't. Okay, so for me, he <laughs> he is a, um, you know, snap the ball, 
And what I've seen in the last few weeks, Dan, is a um, guy who's looking to dig, not necessarily trusting his secondary receivers and running. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot of in the playoffs. Stop holding your mic right there. <laughs> trying. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot of in the playoffs. And to me, that's a little concerning, like if you're going to get through four games like that. That is true. But at the end of the day. I mean pulling the ball up and praying as a fan base that he is going to get to the first down marker. And he does a good job of that. That is our best play, but how consistently can he do that? At the end of the day, that what you said about Josh Allen, like the just latching onto him and being like, take us to the promised land, that is one of my biggest positives about this team. Not other, not many other teams have a Josh Allen. Okay, so But it's course, our second option. What do you mean? Like, if Diggs is not there, it's our second option. Yeah, but That's my, what it seems to be. Correct. But my point is, when you have Josh Allen, that you can run or pass, and he can just be an all-world quarterback. He was he had one of the greatest playoff performances in NFL history last year. His playoff numbers in general are incredible. 14 touchdowns, one interception, 65% completion percentage, um, yards per game, 286 yards a game. He was sacked just twice in the playoffs last year. I mean, he... He has the opportunity to put the team on his back just like he did last year. And that is why no matter what the score is, what the situation, we will always feel comfortable. And I don't care how it went this year. I, it was up and down because of his injury. I, I have nothing but confidence in Josh Allen. You think the injury uh, 100% right now? I think it's close. Yeah. I like think I think it's better than it was, which is encouraging, right? Correct. So the positives, I think they've been vanilla for a reason. I mentioned that. I think we're going to see a lot more – Packages for Beasley. I think we're going to see a lot more motions. We're going to see a lot more getting James Cook out in space. Obviously, Allen. Um, I think we talked. To, you talked about Gabe Davis. I talked about the secondary for concerns. The pass rush is the other one. I mean, we got Von Miller for a reason. Unfortunately, Von Miller is not around, and that that is that's a problem. And they need to manufacture something. I mean, you have a lot of guys. Cannot Benessa step up, and all you need like Boogie Basham might not have a career with the Buffalo Bills, but. Boogie Basham might be a guy like these guys have the opportunity to be folk heroes in Buffalo that all we need is that one yeah, big one. Right. right? You know what I mean? Like point. if Boogie Basham ends up flaming out, we could be like, remember he had that huge sack versus yeah. Joe Burrow in that championship game? You know, he'll or, be on our team for the next two years. I'm just saying, or Epinesa yeah. or like, yeah. oh, remember he had that huge sack in the Super for Bowl? Sure. Like, so these guys need to figure it out. And hey, listen, Tremaine Edmonds is going to either make or break millions in the next four games potentially, right? Yeah. I mean, if he – the Bills go to the Super Bowl and win one, and Tremaine is the quarterback of that defense. He's gonna set. He's gonna. He's gonna break the bank. Correct. We will not resign him. If we lose this this week, we might resign him. If we go to the AFC Championship or Super Bowl, we're probably. I not. don't agree with that, but you don't. No, I think they're gonna resign him regardless. I but think teams are gonna catch on. <clears throat> Here's the thing. All right. Here is the thing. Why I feel. Uh, why I feel good. And one of the positives, we're battle-tested, right? Adversity tested. You talked about a lot of the points with your case for Sean McDermott and why he should be coach of the year. And this has been all over Twitter, so I'm not telling you anything you didn't know. But think about my point the past, the second half of the year is, and would you agree that you don't feel, I don't feel as nearly good about this team as I did the last two years going into the playoffs. Now, 2020 was probably, I was just over the moon that they were so good. That team probably wasn't complete. Last year, I think they had a more complete team. And this year, I think we'll see. Just hasn't put it together. Correct. A full game. However, they went 13-3, and three, which is, and you won games that you probably shouldn't. And it was the year, I'll say it one 
they were up three touchdowns of games, and and Bills fans were just grabbing Correct. their heads. We're saying, getting very spoiled. We don't. Yeah, we are getting spoiled. <coughs> yep, you're right. Bill, the reason I think that they do win the Super Bowl this year is because of that fact that it's kind of like it's kind of like creeping up on us how effective and special this team is. And when you think about the championship DVD that you'd watch at the end, think about the content that DVD would have. Let's the start. Blizzard. Let's start in this. We'll go. We'll start back up in the summer. With how the community bonded and the Bills volunteered their time after the shooting at that tops. Then in training camp, Dawson Knox's brother dies. You can do a whole segment on that. Then you have the week one going into LA against a Super Bowl champion on the first night of football and absolutely whomping them. Then you come back home from Monday night football game and you whomp the number one seed from last year. Then you have the Heat game. So you face adversity for the first time. You lose to Miami really for the first time since Josh Allen's been effective. The following week, you go into Baltimore, come back from a 21-3 halftime deficit to, for the first time in over a year, manufacture one of those wins where you out-coached and out-executed another team to win a close game with how they got the first down but didn't score a touchdown and were able to dwindle the clock down and kick the field goal at the buzzer. Tyler Bass's first game-winning kick at a buzzer, at the buzzer, at the clock striking zero. You know what I mean, okay? Then you come back and you mollywop the Steelers, just absolutely destroy them. Gabe Davis, how about, again, the most most impressive throw maybe of Allen's season was that on the goal line with pressure in his face, the 98-yard pass to Davis that probably traveled 60 yards in the air off his back foot. The following week. I want to see an Allen throw off his front foot. <laughs> would be probably fast. <laughs> yeah. You have the following week go into Kansas City and you beat the Chiefs. You slay another demon. Then you have your bye week. You come back. You beat Aaron Rodgers on Monday or Sunday. Sunday. Sunday night there, football. Man. Following week, you get Allen injured and you lose to the Jets. Then you have the the um what are, does it have a nickname? The Miami or the excuse me. The Minnesota meltdown, I'll call it. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, that game was that game might go down as one of the alt like that shirt that people have of just bad things that happened in Buffalo. That game could be on it. Okay, again, we're not in this position of sharing a neutral site if Cam Lewis can just bat a ball down on fourth and eighteen. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, or Allen can receive a snap. Correct. Yeah. Then you have to go to Detroit because of the huge blizzard. Went. I went. Then you go back to Detroit for Thanksgiving. So you didn't for Thanksgiving, go to right? Okay, so you have you play two games in like five days, then you go into New England into Bill Belichick's hostile territory, and you win twenty four ten. But that game was never close. Okay, that game was never close. Then you come back, you get revenge, revenge on the Jets. That's like the one boring game that doesn't really have a storyline. Then you get revenge in a great football game against Miami. Then you go to Chicago again. Terrible weather. Barely got out of there. Barely got out of Buffalo. Not many storylines out of that game. You have to stay in Chicago oh, yeah, that's the one. for Christmas, and you have to call Big Cat to open up the barstool bar that I was at for when Doc's had his wedding there, and that's where they partied for um, sh- for Christmas. How was it? It was sweet. It was, it was cool, actually. Then, obviously, the DeMar Hamlin thing, and then you come back and you have the Naheem Hines kick return. The DVD is going to be two and a half hours long, and we haven't even gotten to the playoffs. Okay, so You're right. This is the special year. They're going to win it this year. I'm very confident they're going to win it this year. And this, I could see this game being a boring game, and hopefully it's not. I could see, like hopefully it's not like 24-10 or something. Nineteen seven. Like yeah, something I, again. But again, a win's a win. Let's just get to Cincinnati. I think the offense clicks. I think they still try to hide things going into Cincinnati, and I think the best thing that could happen for the Bills. Oh boy, let me. <laughs> 
retract that, okay? I think a positive to come out of the DeMar Hamlin situation would be the fact that you saw Cincinnati's game plan against you. You can you basically hit a pause on your game against Cincinnati. Now you get them again in Buffalo to come up with your own game plan and adjust whatever you need to do. Then you got to go to Atlanta probably and beat yeah. Kansas City. We're thinking about you, DeMar Hamlin. Hey, let me say this. Uh, all, all great things. I agree lockstep. Dan, we're going to be there for uh, the next two, you think? Yeah. Wow. I think that I haven't that I haven't watched a, I haven't watched a full football game with Dan in years. You might not, but I'll years. be there to start he, he both. May, maybe Cincy if it's tight. You're still gonna leave early? <laughs> no, for Cincy I'll hope yeah, Cincy. So, I think what was the one game we watched? We have season tickets together. What's the one game we watched this year? Monday Night Football. One half. One half. <laughs> one half. <laughs> we watched one half. That's <laughs> beautiful. Um yeah, Jay called me out. He messaged me on Facebook the other day. He did. Yeah. yeah. Um I'll tell you I'm excited. I'm super excited. Yep. I think that I'm sure they'll do a little video for DeMar, and I think he's going to walk out versus Cincinnati, and that that place will be shaking, and you'll be crying, blowing your nose in your hand. Yeah, you'll be, the whole nine. You'll be a mess. So You will too. I'll be crying, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm very excited. I think that they, this game is not – this game will probably be closer than we want it to be at halftime, and then we'll end up winning by two or more scores. Yeah, I think – well, my last token on this is I think there's been a lot of games this year where we've been, like, kind of pissed off at halftime. Like, what's up with the slot? You know, they're not calling the right plays. What's We're getting up with spoiled. We are getting spoiled, but there's also a time and place where – and I don't, want, I don't want to cause a lot of controversy in this, but I I don't think – Miami, I would be shocked. But if Cincinnati came in here – or let's say that Baltimore miraculously wins and the Chargers or the Jaguars come into Buffalo and win. Which one of those three? I mean, are you stunned by the Chargers and stunned by the Jaguars, not stunned by the, the Bengals? Or are you stunned by all three of those teams coming in here to beat us? I would be stunned if any team came into Buffalo and stunned. beat us. Yes. I wouldn't be stunned if Cincinnati won here. Until they do lose a home playoff game, I will be stunned okay. if they lose a home playoff game right. with this regime. What's your final score prediction this week? My final score prediction this week is 31-10. I think we just roll. Yeah, I think it's 31. I think it's 38-17. What is – and I know we said – we talked about this with both Frank and uh, Clay. Clay. But is there anything besides turnovers that makes this a tight game? I think with the run game – yeah, if they just control possession of the clock. And I, I, I just think our defense could be too jacked up. The crowd's going to be too fired up. I'm excited about it. I think the spread's too low. Okay, let's go to – let's actually send it over to Frank the Tank Fleming. Yeah, Dan, this is sponsored by, you know, some of our good friends, St. Joe's guys, um, Frank's Gourmet Hot Dogs. They're famous, right? They're famous for their, their French fries. They're famous for their chicken tenders. People are obsessed with their chicken tenders. They're gourmet hot dogs. They're Frank's gourmet hot dogs for a reason. They do the best hot dogs in town. Ted's may say otherwise, but Frank's is probably the best. Great burgers, the whole nine. St. Joe's guys, they take care of you right on Kenmore Ave. Okay, um, you know, right by, uh, I think it's Starin and Kenmore Ave. Get there, get square. Tell them Bucket sent you, okay, for no money off. But just tell them Bucket sent you. Here we go!
are very excited to bring on maybe our most high-profile guest of all time, a diehard Dolphins fan to talk about this weekend's Bills-Dolphin wildcard matchup. We have Frank the Tank Fleming from Barstool. Frank, thank you so much for taking time with us today. Hey, how's it going? It's 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 been a rough season for the uh, for the Dolphins, uh, up and down. You know, uh, the concussion issues to uh, an offensive line that is just brutal, and uh, well, it's 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 a mess. And uh, we're just hoping somehow, some way, uh, we're not uh, embarrassed. But uh, the the chances of winning are is, is, is very highly unlikely this weekend, and uh, I just hope that the Dolphins actually have a good showing, and uh, and it's not it's not as bad as I as I fear it's going to be. Well, Frank, it was you know the Dolphins are coming in with a winning record under first year coach Mike McDaniel. They are in the playoffs for the first time, I believe, since two thousand and sixteen. So there has to be some positive vibes around this current team. Injuries aside, what are your what would be your recipe to success for the Dolphins this week if they want to pull off the upset in Buffalo? Ball possession, running the football, and keeping the ball. Uh, literally, uh, uh, start the game like you have a lead in the fourth quarter, and uh, frustrate the Bills by trying to get. Uh, just grounding the ball, taking the air out of the ball, and uh, don't let them have the ball. Go ahead. Frank, looking to looking forward to your uh, trip up to Buffalo. Not sure you've ever been to Buffalo. I'm sure you'll be greeted by the kind neighbors here, you know, regardless win or lose. Well, um, I, I drove through Buffalo or close to Buffalo this uh, summer, uh, coming back from uh, the Hall of Fame uh, and uh, going past uh, Niagara Falls. Okay, but I didn't stop, so I wouldn't really uh, say I was in Buffalo. All right, I'm going to tell you two quick things. I know you're you're uh, you're a fan of hot dogs. You know, I'm sure Twitter has been blowing up in your face about where to go. Ted's uh, charcoal, um, you know, grilled dogs are probably the place that people are trying to go to. I'd also give you a quick recommendation of Frank's on Kenmore Ave gourmet hot dogs. That's one of the best hot dogs in Western New York. So if you haven't heard that on Twitter. Um, would really recommend, you know, you get to Frank's, you know, no pun with the name. Well, I'm definitely going to look up Ted. Uh, I'll see if I can get the other one there. What about chicken wings? Do you have any chicken wing stops planned? Uh, no, I'm not a big chicken wing guy. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I actually, we Bill mentioned we're big Bills and Sabres fans. We obviously loved Lindy Ruff when he was here. Was here for a long time, had success. I know the the Devils came out very hot early on. Has your tune changed on Lindy Ruff? Do you think he can survive with this young team, or do you think this team needs a fresh face? Uh, I like that they've uh, given him some good offensive coordinators. Uh, well, good uh, assistant coaches, I should say. But uh, I think the future is, uh, is is in a different direction. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, now, when we talk about futures, obviously the Mets coming off a 100-win season, just missing the division to the Atlanta Braves, and a pretty pretty uh, high-octane high offseason bringing in Justin Verlander and solidifying the bullpen by bringing in Edwin Diaz right back. So what are your what's your outlook for the – I know they just lost out on Carlos Correa, unfortunately. What's your outlook for the New York Mets in this 2023 season? Uh, I don't. I, I I don't have a good feeling right now. It's just 
I mean, uh, Darren Ruff is just, is just going to be such a killer. Uh, starting Marte is, is, is not healthy. The pain and suffering never end. I mean, I, I will chime in here. I, this team has an owner that's spending a lot of money, and they've, they put a lot of money but into the cursed. Post. It's cursed. It's, it's always been cursed. <sighs> but don't don't you think that all sports team, like all fans of a team that haven't won a championship, I mean that's just the luck of the dry. There's only one that can go out a year, so it's it. Do, you, don't you think the Mets are taking the right steps in terms of spending money in the right areas and trying to bring in as much talent as Something possible? Something bad just always happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can't feel too great about not being cursed when you make the play. The last two times the Dolphins have made the playoffs, you're starting backup quarterback. So I guess I can, I can feel for you there. And then you have the same thing with the Mets. It's just, it's, it's cursed. It, there's a, a, a cloud that just always hangs over this team, and it never goes away. Would you say sports have brought you more joy in life or misery? Pain, suffering, uh, aggravation. I'll ask you one question, just a quick one about the Dolphins. Mike McDaniel, how would you grade his first year on the job as a Dolphins coach? I'd give him a, a, a C minus. All right. What were 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 you ready for Flores to leave? Are you happy that were you were you at the time happy they moved on from him? No, I kind of liked him. He he kind of gave him a spark, and they always played hard for him. What are yeah. your thoughts on Josh Allen? He's kind of owned the Dolphins in his short career, hasn't he? You know, he's a good quarterback. Uh, it would have been nice to see the Dolphins draft somebody like him, but that doesn't seem like uh, a possibility, uh, especially with a, a GM that has no clue what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what, what about uh, Billy Epler? Do you like the, the Mets GM and the moves he's made? Uh, you mean Billy and Epler. In <laughs> I haven't heard that one. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, Frank, I also want to let you know that my dad loved the James McCant uh, nickname you gave him. Have we turned the corner on Escobar, or do you not love the whole platoon situation now that Correa is gone that the Mets are going to employ with him and Batty? Uh, I still think it sucks. It's, 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 it's always a mess. <laughs> do you think that Verlander is an upgrade over DeGrom? Uh, uh, with Mets luck, uh, Verlander is going to miss half the season, and we're going to watch uh, Jacob DeGrom uh, 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 have uh, 27 complete games, uh, uh, make 36 starts, uh, go 31-1, uh, and... Uh, Then we'll have uh, him with an ERA of uh, under uh, under five under point five, uh, lowest ERA in baseball history. I mean that's just how everything always works out for the Mets. And uh, Carlos Correa will win the uh, the uh, triple crown. Okay. I mean the suffering and pain and agony never end. Frank, you know maybe you can give us some hope. I know there's some pain and agony, you know, on the Dolphins side, maybe the Mets side. Yeah. You're you're an avid sports watcher. Um, I think that you know Buffalo. My last sports question for you, certainly. I think that Buffalo has a real chance at the Super Bowl, at making the Super Bowl and winning their first Super Bowl in franchise history. You watch the NFL enough to know that that's potentially a fact. Do you think that there's a real chance that Buffalo can do that this year? 
Yes, I absolutely think so. Uh, in fact, uh, and this might be bad news for you, uh, they're actually <laughs> my pick. Okay. If if uh, if the Bills end up pulling that out, would you come to the championship parade and celebrate with us? Uh, someone would have to uh, arrange, make the arrangements for me, but I wouldn't go there uh, just, oh, I want to go to the Buffalo Parade. <laughs> okay. Hey. Now, wait, real quick. What night do you get in? Do you have, a, like, an itinerary plan for Buffalo this weekend? Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, fly in, try to do a raw dog Saturday night, uh, sleep, uh, go to the stadium and then leave the stadium, uh, probably with the, uh, with the bills up, uh, 30 at the end of the third quarter and, uh, catch a, uh, the seven o'clock, uh, six thirty flight back to, uh, Newark. Do you plan on going through any tables while you're here? Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll see how I feel when, uh, on, uh, Sunday morning. Well, Frank, I'll say uh, Frank's Gourmet Hot Dogs in Kenmore, New York. If, if if you're looking for another raw dog Saturday, really top of the line. And then, of course, you can't miss with Ted's. Well, I'm, de- I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to look. Definitely going to go looking uh, and uh, try to get uh, the Ted's. That's that's my primary goal. Okay, and if you need even me or Dan, we'll we'll bring you some Franks or some Ted's, whatever you need, Frank. You got our DM. We really appreciate you coming on, you know, spending time. You didn't have to do this, but um, I'm sure our listeners will certainly enjoy it. And uh, we really appreciate you, Frank. You're, you're certainly uh, a great guy, an entertaining fellow. And I wish and I hope that your sports teams bring you a lot of hope. I know that here in Buffalo, you know, we love the Sabres and we love what they're doing. But, you know, we, we, we're rooting for the Devils as well. We love Lindy Ruff forever. He he came close to bringing them the title. Uh, of course, they got fucked. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true. Hey, hey, Frank, I got one more question for you. I don't know, you know, how long you've been covering the Devils. You, you're, you know, watching the Devils. Alex Milgilney, he's a long-term Saber guy. He, 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 I think he won a Stanley Cup with the with the uh, New Jersey Devils. I think he's a Hall of Famer. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I think he's uh, somebody you could consider for the Hall of Fame. Uh, his uh, his time in New Jersey definitely hurts his uh, Hall of Fame chances because uh, it, it it was nothing short of uh, basically um, he basically just never quite fit. And they brought him back after he went to Toronto, but uh the devils were were uh, the devils were always a defense at that time defense and goalie uh, goaltending uh team but you know he um he's part of a team that went to the Stanley cup uh, and uh or went to the finals and a team that won the championship so he actually got got his name on the Stanley cup thanks to the devils but he had a really good year too he had forty goal a season yep. But it just, it just, he just wasn't the type of player the Devils always went for. They always wanted, there's always defense, 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 defense. Yeah, well, it worked out for him during the '90s. But my last question, my wife is begging me to ask, what's it like working with Jersey Jerry? Uh it's very good. Perfect. All right. Well, you're a Hall of Famer in our eyes, Frank, and we really appreciate it. And I hope you have the best time in Buffalo, the city of good neighbors. Hopefully you have a great report back, even if the game doesn't go your way. And once again, thank you so much for joining us. All right. <laughs> All right, have a great night. All righty then. Cuban Asian. 
I only came for two days of playing, but every time I come, I always wind up staying. This the type of town I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing. All right, we are very pleased to be joined by anchor and sports reporter at WPLG in Miami, Clay Ferraro. He covers the Miami Dolphins. Clay, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, guys, uh, no problem, uh, but but I can't stay on too quickly because uh, i got to get ready for my other job as uh, Dolphins starting tackle for this weekend <laughs> because uh, they're, they're completely out of, of alignment at this point. You scared me for a second there. I wanted to kind of note, touch on like what the vibes are like <laughs> in Miami today, but let's actually start there. Um, what is the situation on the offensive line? Because I think, you know, the national media and what the casual fan here in Buffalo is focused on is Tua and maybe Teddy now not playing. What's our situation on the offensive line? It's a mess. I mean, to the point where I'm joking about it with you guys, we were joking about it in the press box today in the uh, media room, uh, you know, during the practice, which was like, which one of us could play guard? Which one of us can, can play tackle? Cause they had, uh, they kicked Robert Hunt out to uh, play tackle today. And he's, you know, very, very good guard for them, but that's the situation they're in. I mean, the, the top five tackles were all out of practice today. I would be really surprised if Teron Armstead plays. We'll see. What he said was that it is a, it's not a pain issue. It is a, a muscle, like, can the muscle work issue? Um, so it's bad. And, and that's, look, that's not an excuse. Every team is banged up at this point in the year. Um, and yet I think it's just hitting the Dolphins in a bunch of really bad spots. And, and here's another one. I know you didn't ask about this, but Raheem Mostert. I mean, I, I think you guys saw in that game in Buffalo, you know, just, just how explosive he can be. He's, he's got a broken thumb. Who knows if he does play, if it can be effective. I mean, it's, there are so many issues. Like if you say, oh, well, maybe you can, you can attack their defenses. Oh, no, no Mostert. Well, maybe we, ah, no, not with our top five tackles. So it's, there's a lot. Um, and yet, you know, being out there, hey, it's, it's the whole any given Sunday thing. And, and they are excited to, to have this opportunity to try at least to win their first playoff game in 23 years. And, Clay, obviously it may not matter what the line is if we're the third-string quarterback, and your two biggest weapons also banged up right now the wide receiver position with Waddle and Hill nursing injuries. What is the confidence level McDaniel can scheme up those two guys with a third-string quarterback against this defense? Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's like, Remember the scene in Dumb and Dumber? One in a million? So you're telling me there's a chance? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, it, it's that sort of thing. And look, it's and and let me be clear: this is not a matter of of hey, everybody's just happy to be here. But I do think that hey, first year with a head coach, this team's been through a lot this year. And look, some of it of their own making. I don't think that. Um, Mike McDaniel adjusted particularly well after the San Francisco game leading into the Chargers game. Um, and, and yet a lot of it has not been of their own making because of the injuries and, and all of that. Uh, you know, you get into the tournament and, and you're, you're happy that the season at least didn't end with the regular season. Um, and yet, with regards to, to McDaniel, I think he has overall done a really good job this year. But, man, he's still human. And, you know, if, if Tyreek Hill is banged up, he did seem okay today. He didn't seem like he was, um, you know, uh, going to miss the game or anything. Um, but you add that to all the rest of the problems, and you have a third-string quarterback. I mean, at some point, it's just like the attrition is going to set in. And 
you know, you can always have a game where, where the Bills, you know, turn, it's not a round-shaped ball. Turnovers happen. I mean, any, any number of things could keep the Dolphins in the game, and yet I don't think you can reasonably expect in a, in a game where, like, the turnover battle is close to even for the Dolphins to, to find a way to put up a whole bunch of points. You mentioned first-year coach Mike McDaniel, and it's been a roller coaster, at least from the Buffalo perspective, outside perspective, watching the national praise and criticism of him. What is the local scene, and what do they think of McDaniel in terms of the same record last year as Brian Flores, but you're in the playoffs. Um, obviously, he's gotten a very pass-happy toward the second half of the year. You mentioned the lack of adjustments, and the fact that I, some may say he really botched the whole Tua situation to even get to this point. So what what are the thoughts as we reach the end of his first regular season? So the last one is what I'm going to push back on just a little bit. And, and it's because he never changed his stance on this. And it's one that I've agreed with in the beginning. It's I'm a coach. I'm not a doctor. Yep. And, you know, if I'm if you're asking me during the middle of, an, of a game to go against what the doctors are saying, then then what are we doing here? And and to the point where even if you go back to that game, uh, you know, when he got hurt uh, and, and then four days later played against Cincinnati, it wasn't, it wasn't McDaniel who was doing the evaluation. You had doctors who were doing the evaluation. So, like, I, I will 100% side with any coach that says, I am a coach, I am not a doctor, I am going to defer to the doctors. And, you know, to his credit, he did say after the Packers game that next day, he was doing the uh, film study with, with Tua, and he said, there was during the middle of those conversations, I noticed something wasn't right. So you go back before – he was in concussion protocol before the Cincinnati game. So it wasn't like, um, or whatever they called it at the time, they, they've adjusted the protocols, whatever. He was evaluated every day before that Cincinnati game. I don't, I don't put it on McDaniel's plate to say, hey, doctor, I think you're wrong. I think he has a concussion. So that's the one that I'm going to push back on a little bit. As far as the on-field stuff, I, I think it is, he's shown a lot of good things. I think the players respect him i think there is a a level of and it's not just hey walking in and hey look it's the players coach guy and he's funny and he's going to be your buddy he's done a good job i think of connecting with guys and earning respect in the locker room and also on the coaching staff um with that said he's still shown a few times that he's a first-year head coach and that he has things to learn and i pointed out that that 49ers and, and chargers game where 49ers dropped back linebackers and took away what, what the Dolphins like to do. They still had guys running open a bit, so I think they kind of had this false sense of security that maybe we don't need to change what we're doing. And then the Chargers just completely exploited them the next week. And, and to their credit, they did adjust a bit for that game in Buffalo that I thought was you know, one of the best games of the year. Um, so maybe he's been a little slow in adjusting at times, and maybe in the future – he will uh, be a little quicker. And I, a lot of the stuff that has gone wrong, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to say, all right, that's a first-year head coach thing. I expect him to learn from this going forward. When we flip to the other side of the ball, we spent our own hell as Bills fans going against Tom Brady <laughs> for all those years. So I like to look at this as I, I would like this to be another decade of Josh Allen making Miami – um, you know their their version of the Bills to Tom Brady, and he's done that so far. He has 31 touchdowns. He's nearly passes for nearly 270 yards a game, uh, but more importantly, he's only lost twice. And if you want me to be a super biased Bills fan, those two losses were the Charles Clay drop 
and then that insane heat game, and we can argue whether that was, you know, fair or not. And I am one of those guys that says it's weather. You can't complain about weather. You can't be a baby. So those are two, obviously, two legitimate losses. But what are the thoughts of Dolphins fans on Josh Allen? Do they look at him as intimidating as Bills fans looked at Tom Brady for all those years? Yes, yes. There is a, oh, a very, very high level of respect for, for Josh Allen. Um, you know, and I think you, you talk about those guys. I'm with you, by the way, on the weather thing. Um, I, I think in that game, uh, Bills also had some significant injuries, especially on defense, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I think there were some, and they also had uh, guys cramping up, and, you know, I get it, heat, all that. It was one of 17, and, and I think that was big for the Dolphins to, uh, to get over that hump of beating them. I actually thought the, the second game was a better played game. Um, and, in fact, if you go back to that game, I, this is where, for, for me, and, and I'm not a fan, I cover the team, but for me, the quintessential Josh Allen play wasn't even like a, a 60-yard heave against his body or anything. It was the last play of the first half where the, the time is running out. And you're like, oh, man, I can't believe he's doing that. He's going to let the clock run to zero, and they're not even going to get a field goal. Oh, my goodness, he just threw a touchdown. And it's like that's the sort of thing that, that I think Dolphins fans have seen from this guy. And, yes, I, I don't think there's – it's weird because the rivalry with the Jets, it's like one with all this vitriol and, and stuff like that. I do think there is some of that natural rivalry animosity with, with the Bills, but I've never once seen a Dolphin fan try to like discredit what Josh Allen does. They discredit what Justin Herbert does because there's this big Tua versus Justin Herbert debate. Because of the draft. But there's never one time where, where Josh Allen has done something and, and something great, and they're like, ah, you know, what a, you know, Dan Marino did that too, you know, show, doing the playoffs or whatever. Um, so I, I think there is a very high level of respect. Uh, and I, I think when you look back at the two games this year, the one thing I think the Dolphins are going to try to do, which they failed to do before this year, but I thought they did better this year, was try to take away the explosives and, and in particular that first game they were able to, to mitigate it a bit and and that's honestly the only way guys that they have any sort of a shot in this game and you know if, if the bills are willing to take what the defense gives them and, and stick with the running game a bit like they did on that last drive by the way to to win the game uh, a few weeks ago then then yeah you know you tip your cap and and you move on but i, I think their their number one objective is going to be let's not let Allen hit digs 60 yard down the field or or gabe davis or another one of the explosive guys and, and beat us before the game even gets started. Clay, I feel like I could sit around and talk to you for hours. Anytime you come up to Buffalo, you got chicken wings on us. That's a Buckets and Dan guarantee. But one more quick thing before you get out of here. Maybe, I don't know if you're a lot, if you do predictions down at the news station, if you maybe got one of those, if you don't, no problem. But really, my question is, like in finality, the, the Dolphins season, I think you could chalk up as a mild success, right? First year head coach, and maybe just the a brief outlook for them. I know they're missing draft picks in the future and the health of Tua and everything. Well, I, I think it's it's such a bittersweet deal because, look, I, I think you have to be honest and, and say, hey, first and foremost, most important thing with Tua is his personal health, and, and that's what Mike McDaniel said today. Football is a business, though, and, and there is a game, there is a, a big decision they're going to have to make. You know, right now it's not that difficult because he's still on a rookie deal, um, I don't know that you, you would make a decision where you would potentially move on when he's still on the rookie contract. But, guys, I have a really hard time until you know with any level of certainty 
that that he's going to be able to consistently stay on the field that you commit the 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 franchise quarterback money that that a Mahomes or an Allen or or Deshaun Watson got like that's that's really difficult for me for a player that that you're just not sure is going to stay on the field. And by the way, guys, that's not that's not just a concussion. This goes back to Alabama, and and he had multiple ankle injuries, and and then the hip injury, and you know he had a thumb injury here. He he's been banged up a lot, and and you got to figure out a way. And again, that's not I'm not minimizing the concussion issue from a human perspective at all. But man, when you're talking about committing hundreds of millions of dollars to the most important position in team sports. That's tricky. And, and yes, they, they are kind of draft pick poor in, in some ways because of the moves that they've made. I don't have any problem with the moves that they've made because the, the players that they brought in um, have been really, really good. Although, you know, Bradley Chubb, I think you'd want a little bit more production out of that, out of that first round pick that you swapped. But as far as Tua goes, you're going to have to make a decision on that eventually. And if that means that maybe you make a decision sooner and later, sooner than later and, and trade for a, for a pick and get another quarterback in here, I just think you you got to figure out what you've got there, and if there's any way to, to to figure out with any level of certainty what the health status is going to be moving forward. Now, I'm not a genie. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a doctor. But to me, guys, that's the most important thing moving forward for, for this franchise is figuring out what you've got there. Clay, in terms of Sunday, I know you mentioned earlier turnovers can be a difference maker, and that's obvious, especially with the way Allen has played at certain parts of this of this season, is there anything besides, if you wanted to script a recipe of success for the Dolphins to pull off this upset, what besides turnovers needs to happen? It's such a cliche, but they got to run the football. Um, You know, I I don't think you can, you can reasonably expect Skylar Thompson to go out there and throw for 300 yards, uh, you know, unless it's a lot of garbage time and it's after four interceptions and you're playing catch up or something, right? So, um, you know, I, I think if you're talking about a reasonable script to actually be in the game and, and potentially pull up a, a shocker, then, then it, it, you, you lean on Jeff Wilson. Um, maybe Raheem Mostert's able to hold the ball better than, than we thought with the thumb injury, and, and maybe you, you lean there. Because um, I do think both of those guys have the, the chance to, to break a couple of big plays for you and, and keep you in the game. Um, but, man, at the same time, you're, you're relying potentially on backup linemen to do that. So that's the script. <laughs> a lot of crazy stuff is probably going to have to happen before uh, that even gets you to the point where, where you're, you're uh, talking about being in the game in the fourth quarter. I'd love to be wrong on that. I'd, I'd love to, to, to come back with you guys next week and talk about what an epic ball game that was, whichever way it, it may finish. It's just really hard at this point to – and look, I, hey, McDaniel said it today, and I, and I hate to say this, like everything I'm saying is from the Miami perspective, and oh, this is what's gone wrong for them. If McDaniel said today, Buffalo, arguably the best team in football. Like, it's not just that the Dolphins are banged up, it's that they're right. going there to play that team right. banged up. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we can talk about this just from a Dolphins perspective and not acknowledge the fact that, hey, maybe if they were going and playing anybody, literally anybody in the NFC, um, that maybe they'd have a shot outside of Philly. Maybe they'd have a shot. Um, but it's just such a tough, tough task going to Buffalo and do that. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, Clay. I hope you're dead on with that, and I hope it's not even close. So, But uh, we do appreciate <laughs> your insight, and we appreciate you taking time out of your night to talk with us. Hopefully it's a, uh, a good game for your sake. Hopefully it's not a good game for our sake, and we would love to talk to you in the future about Dolphins-Bills. 
Anytime, fellas. I'm going to go strap up and uh, get ready to be on the practice squad Sunday. So uh, just make sure it's not too cold up there for me. All right, perfect. Have a great night. Alrighty then. Thank you again to Clay Ferrer from WPLG. Great insight on the Dolphins and their injuries and other woes heading into this Sunday. Bill, we talked enough about the Bills and Dolphins. Let's move on to the rest of the league. Playoffs start this Saturday, 4.30 p.m., or maybe 4.15, but around there. And we start with Seattle at San Francisco. Who do you like, and what's the score? San Fran, and that's 31-24 San Francisco. Yeah, I have 30-10. to 10. I don't think this is close, which means it'll probably be a nail-biter down to the very end. They already played twice this year. San Francisco went 2-0, and I believe, and the last one wasn't even close. It's kind of a drubbing. San Francisco's on a heater. They're your pick from earlier this yep. year, Yep. and they're certainly playing well. When does the when does the when does clock strike midnight on this Cinderella story for Brock? What do you think? It's a Cinderella well, reference, I think Bill. We can go back to Q and A for this. I mean, what happens next year? I think it depends if he can. Um, he brings them to the NFC Championship game, I think and they lose. I think it's, <laughs> I think it goes down to a camp battle next year. I think Garoppolo's gone, and it goes back to Lance and Purdy, right? Yeah. Or you look to deal Lance, and I I mean, there's a lot there. I think it's going to be a really interesting NFL offseason, which I'm really excited about. But Purdy has done everything right. I mean, very quiet, Tom Brady-esque from his year of, like, not really filling up the stat sheet but doing enough to win and being really smart, saying all the right things. And to me, Purdy's done enough, a nice job enough to, I think, potentially make a Super Bowl. How about Saturday night, a game that most thought would be the Saturday afternoon game, the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert traveling to Jacksonville to face Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars and Doug Peterson. Who do you like? Now, here's one that I think, like, I picked the Chargers, but this could be one that I could easily see the Jaguars winning just because it would be an even easier road in my opinion, for the Chiefs, and because there's going to be an upset sometime this weekend. Sure, I think Northern Florida is going to be excited about this one. Um, a lot of Jaguars. Jaguars have a good fan base. Not not a lot of people know about it, but Ugh, uh, I you hate know the they haven't Duval really thing. been to the playoffs since. Yeah, you know, Duval County. They haven't been to the playoffs really since their Blake Bortles years, which is not too long ago. But for me, um, I think the Jaguars have been, you know, on a tear. I think the Chargers, to me, just haven't really put it together all year. I like the Jaguars, Doug Peterson, win at home, give that franchise a lot of hope. You know, they made a lot of right moves in the offseason. The Jaguars beat the Chargers in a classic at home, 27-24. to 24. Dude, that's funny. I have 27-24 Chargers, a late touchdown from Justin Herbert. I think he solidifies his spot as one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And then they go to Kansas City, and hopefully they can upset the Chiefs. Let I have a quick quick question for you. Would you rather this is a dumb question. Never mind. Well, I got the Jaguars coming here. You think the Jaguars are gonna have set yeah. cheese? Okay. Now do you think that would make Storybook stuff this run any less special that we don't have to con- no. slay the dragon? No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think so either. Stupid like question, Dan, stupid question. Okay, Sunday one o'clock. We talked about that. Sunday four thirty, Giants at Minnesota. Yeah, another dog here. I think the the Vikings are kind of holding on to that huge record that they have. The Giants are the better football team. The emergence of number two receivers like Kenny Galladay and Isaiah Hodgins. I think that the Giants are too much. Okay. 
Um, I th- am I still? Yeah, I'm good. I think that Minnesota wins in another last-second field goal just to keep the mojo going. I have them winning 24-23. Moving on to Sunday night, Tyler Huntley and the Baltimore Ravens come into Cincinnati to face Joe Burrow. I think this is a lot uglier than people think. I think it's a slugfest. I think Baltimore keeps him in it, so I'm sure it'll be a shootout. And I think Cincinnati survives 21-12. to yeah, Dan, just like Vegas says, you say by 9, I say, I say by 8, 30 to 22. The Ravens can put up 22 against 22 them? points, believe it or not. Okay, and then Monday. Defensive touchdown to okay. help them. All right, yeah. Then Monday night, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys visit Tom Brady. I just don't see Tom Brady losing, and I think this will be a shootout. I think that the Bucks win 36-33. 30-27, Dan. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. Mike McCarthy on the chopping block. Potentially a job opens up. FS1 is going crazy on Tuesday morning, January 17th, because Mike McCarthy, there's a lot of doubts there. Yeah, I think so too. I know I didn't – you probably don't have the lines in front of you, so I'm going to give you the Dan best bets, and you can tell me if you like these or not. All right. So I picked um, one from each game. So I have a favorite underdog over and under. So I picked – my favorite Bills minus thirteen. Yeah, minus thirteen I think is fair. I think thirty one to ten. That gives you about eighteen points of room. <laughs> you got about five to work with. I okay. like that a lot. How about underdog? I have Oh, I didn't I screwed that up. Giants are gonna win that game. Okay. Okay. So the underdog, I'll go with the Giants, sure. Or you can go with the Giants, that's fine. So you're the underdog. Over, I think that the Dallas Tampa Bay game just crushes the 45-and-a-half. Yeah, absolutely smokes it, Dan. I agree with that. And I do think the Giants-Minnesota game goes under 48-and-a-half. Lockstep, Dan. I agree. Big time under. Big time under. Okay, I think that'll do it. We're excited about our first playoff game. Dan, we're excited about the show. I think it's one of our it's – <laughs> it's not our top 10. It's between 10 and 20. And I think that a lot of our loyal fans, our loyal fans, which range from about 10 people to 20 people, will love it. Yeah, and hopefully none of my players listen to it. Um, oh, we forgot Nothing to mention wrong. that when no, you came. No disrespect. We did have Coach O'Hare come in for a character talk with the kids. It was great. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. It was great. So good luck to your I'll season be around. and your yep. girls. Appreciate it. I'll be at Buff State, ready to roar. Yeah, and EJ Kenmore West, too. You play out? Oh, yeah. Semis. Well, I won't be yeah. as rambunctious. But you'll be there. I'll be there for sure. We'll scout. Yep, I'll be there. Um, all right. Well, Bill, I will see you. Sunday, Dan. I, I think this will be out. Yeah, we'll be we'll be there early and often uh, Sunday morning, and uh, Martin Which, Luther King Day. Got to celebrate that on Monday, um, and certainly Dan. You know, 9:40 on a on a Wednesday night. Well, I expect right now, all you friends are going to watch this and listen to this on a Friday morning. Friday morning. I would love to know where they're going to watch it, but um, go Bills, and I love you, Mom. I know.